text because we've been dealing with me and my dysfunctional family. Dr. Henry Cloud shared this story. He says, the parents of a 25-year-old man came to see me with a common request. They wanted me to fix their son. Uh, their son's name is Bill. He says, when I asked where Bill was, they answered, oh, he didn't want to come. Why, I asked. Well, he doesn't think he has a problem. Uh, maybe he's right, I said to, the, to their surprise. Tell me about it. They recited a history of problems that had begun at a very young age. Bill had uh, never been quite up to snuff in their eyes, and, and in recent years he had exhibited problems with drugs and an inability to stay in school and find a career. It was apparent that they loved their son very much, and were heartbroken of the way he was living. They had tried everything they knew to get him to change and live a responsible life, but all had failed. He was still using drugs, avoiding responsibility, and keeping questionable company. They told me that they had always given him everything he needed. He had plenty of money at school so he wouldn't have to work, and he would have plenty of time for study and social life. When he flunked out of one school or stopped going to classes, they were more than happy to do everything they could to get him into another school where it might be better for him. After they had talked for a while, I responded, I think your son is right. He doesn't have a problem. He said their faces looked stoic when he said that. He says, they stared at me in disbelief for a full minute. Finally, the father said, did I hear you right? You don't think he has a problem? That's correct, I said. He doesn't have a problem. You do. He says, he can do pretty much whatever he wants, no problem. You pay, you fret, you worry, you plan, you exert energy you, to keep him going. He doesn't have a problem because you have taken it from him. Those things should be his problem, but as it now stands, they're yours. Would you like for me to help you help him to have some problems? <laughs> he says, they looked at me like I was crazy, but some lights were beginning to go on in their heads. What do you mean, help him to have some problems, his mother asked. Well, I explained, I think that the solution to this problem would be to clarify some boundaries so that his actions cause him problems and not you. What do you mean, boundaries? Look at it this way. If it is as if he's your neighbor who never waters his lawn, but whenever you turn on your sprinkler system, the water falls on his lawn. Your grass is turning brown and dying, but Bill looks down at his green grass and thinks to himself, my yard's doing just fine. That is how, uh, your, he said, that's how your son's life feels. He doesn't study or plan or work, yet he has a nice place to live, plenty of money, and all the rights of a family member who is doing his part. If you would define the, proper li- the property lines a little better, if you would fix the sprinkler system so that the water would fall on your lawn, and if he didn't water his own lawn, he would have to live in dirt, he might not like that after a while. As it stands now, he is, he is responsible and happy, He is irresponsible and happy, and you are responsible and miserable. A little boundary clarification would do the trick. You need some fences to keep his problems out of your yard and in his where they belong. Isn't that a bit cruel just to stop helping him like that, the father asked? Has helping him helped? (laughs) the, the, The counselor actually says his look told me that he was beginning to understand. See, sometimes our families are dysfunctional because we don't set proper boundaries. As we go back to Genesis, the 16th chapter, we're going to begin our reading again at verse number one. We're going to see a situation here where I believe that Abraham didn't, Abraham allowed his wife to cross the boundary line in making a suggestion that was not in line with the promised will of God. Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to begin our reading again at verse number one. The text says this, now Sarah, Abram's wife, 
had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began, uh, but when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Did y'all catch that? Abram, this is all your fault. Now who made the suggestion? Sarah did. But she's blaming on her husband. Any, any, any of y'all married couples get blamed? I mean, any, any spouse get blamed for the, the, the faults of the other? Does that, does that happen uh, in our, in our oh, nobody's family has that happening? All right. So now she, it was her suggestion. But again, I go back. Abram knew what God had promised, but he let Sarah cross the boundary line. Then put the proper boundaries up. So Abram had, again, we go, then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats, me, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. We're going to unpack some of this because we've been dealing with the subject, me and my dysfunctional family. And we said the term dysfunction means that you're not operating normally or properly. Is that correct? Uh, it means to be troubled, distressed, we, we unsettled, upset, distraught, unbalanced, unstable, disordered, maladjusted, neurotic, emotionally confused, unhinged, mixed up, and all messed up. And so when we look at family, we talk about the family, our family of origin, we talk about uh, the family of faith, our churches, we talk about the family of Americans. We as citizens of the United States of America are a family because we all came from the same parents, Adam and Eve in the garden. So as we deal with this thing, we come to this text here, we want to try to get some greater understanding because the family that we're looking at is the family that God chose to bring the Savior in the earth realm through. He told Abraham that I'm going to bless your seed and through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And what he's talking about, that he's talking about the fact that Jesus is going to come down through 42 generations to be born in a manger in Bethlehem to tabernacle down here on earth for 33 and a half years and go to the cross of Calvary, die, amen, be crucified, buried and resurrected so that you and I could have a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that awesome? But now check this out. The family that he chose to bring the Savior through was a messed up, mixed up, dysfunctional family. Just like many of our families, messed up, mixed up, unstable, maladjusted, need some help. Every family needs some help. Would y'all repeat that? Let me say, every family needs some help. Raise your hand if you're part of a family that needs some help. I promise you. Amen. It may be different things, uh, different ways, different, different happenings, but everybody has some dysfunctionality in their families. Now, Abraham, as we come to the words of our text, Abraham was now 85 years old and he had been walking with the Lord for 10 years and had learned some valuable lessons we found out last week about faith. Amen. Uh, but God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child 
but had not told them when the child would be born. It was a period of waiting. uh, And most people don't like to wait. Am I right about it? Most people don't like to, to wait, but it's through faith and patience. Hebrews 6 and 12 tells us that we inherit the promises. God has a perfect timetable for all that he wants to do in our life. And all and after all, this event was not the birth of just another baby. It was part of God's great plan of salvation, guys, for the whole world. However, as Sarah waited for something to happen, she became impatient. Am I right about it? Abraham had a very definite uh, word from God about his future. He knew what God had promised, but had no word when it would take place. How many of y'all in your own life have heard God speak to you, have given you revelation knowledge about a particular issue or uh, something that's going to happen in your life, but he doesn't tell you when it's going to happen? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody sensing your spirit that God is leading you to do something, but he doesn't necessarily tell you when he wants you to step out and do that thing, right? So sometimes God has to have us waiting because he has to prepare us. Amen. While we are waiting on our manifestation to come forth, it's not always easy to enjoy that time spent in the waiting room. Am I right about it? Because people can get real impatient. Uh, We can get real impatient when it comes to getting our food, right? How many of y'all have walked out of a restaurant because it took too long to cook the food? Anybody? How many of y'all have got to drive through line like I did at Popeye's because they were taking too long? Huh? I, I, waiting is, is something that we don't, as human beings, don't tend to do very well. But, but the Bible tells us, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Am I right about it? So we got to learn how to wait. God oftentimes has us waiting because he's trying to work some of the stuff out of us, some of the dysfunctionality, some of the maladjustment that needs to take place in our lives. This time prepares us to handle the thing that God has promised to give us or to do for us. Now, examples. Take, for instance, how many of y'all have had kids? Anybody? How many of y'all have children? Okay. How many of y'all are a child? Somebody had you, right? All right. All right. The birth of a child. Take that for, for example. A seed is planted in the womb, then comes nine months of waiting, right? And then finally, the baby is born. And during this nine-month period, there's a, there's a lot that's happening. The woman's body is going through all kinds of changes uh, to prepare her to be able to give birth. And, and the seed is growing into maturity inside of her. And the parents are preparing things uh, in the natural state, getting the baby bed, getting the room fixed up and painted. You know, you want to you want to you want to make that room look like it's a baby's room rather than just a teenager's room. Correct. And, and so they're preparing things, getting ready, uh, getting clothes, getting diapers stacked up. They're accumulating every, all the equipment that they need in order to make sure that that, that baby's arrival can be celebrated properly. OK. And and just like there's a lot of activity inside that mother's body that we can't see, guys, we don't see all the things that's happening. You know, we can do a sonogram, that type of thing, but we don't we don't necessarily see all the things that are happening as that woman's body is changing and it's preparing to give birth. All right. Uh, but 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 just like there's a lot of activity that we can't see in the natural realm when a woman is pregnant, there's also a lot of activity happening in the spiritual realm between the time God gives us the promise and between the time it comes as the manifestation in our life. And the, those things that are happening in the spirit realm that are happening with us spiritually are preparing us for the promise seed that He gave us in our life. Whatever that promise is, God says, "I'll I'll show it to you." I'll give you insight into it, 
but I got to prepare you for what I promised you. Everybody say, God has to prepare me for what he's promised me. Amen. And so, so this passage that we get to today, uh, 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 this, this passage gives us a great study on impatience. And, and it teaches us a great deal about the emotion of restlessness or impatience that grips many of us so often. Because uh, sometimes we get tired of waiting on God and so we start doing things on our own. Am I the only one that's ever done that before? Am I the only one that's ever amen, got ahead of God? Thinking that God was taking a little bit too long to bring this thing into manifestation. And so we see this happening here. Well, so what is, Pastor, what is impatience? Well, impatience is, is, is that emotion that, that gets tired of waiting. It's, it's that emotion that gets fed up with something that delays us. It's that emotion that arouses us to act or react before we should. Any of y'all ever said something before you should have said something? Any of y'all ever blurted out? Amen. A statement, not having all the facts, not letting all of the things get out on the table. And had you let all the things get out on the table, had you waited patiently, and had you done like the scripture says, the scripture says a fool utters all of his mind, but a wise man will keep it in until afterward. After what? After he surveyed the land, after he understands all the things that are happening, as he gets a revelatory unction and a word from God, then then he speaks. So many times we'll speak and say stuff without actually waiting, amen, to get the, the okay from God. And we end up messing ourselves up. I don't know about you, but I've said some things sometimes that I, I wish I could get back because I was impatient. I, I couldn't wait on it, amen. So, so when we look at Abraham and Sarah here in, in, in the words of our text again, they begin to rationalize. They begin to question and say, what we often say about the promise of God. Maybe God is waiting for us to do something before he acts. Well, uh, doesn't God help those who help themselves? You know, you got, maybe you got to do something yourself. And again, faith without works is dead. But there's a difference between preparing and planning and, and getting yourself together and, and trying to discern what step to take versus jumping out there and doing it without ever praying about it, without ever seeking God's will about it. And we just go out and start doing something. I like what the, I think it's Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct your path. So we look at this, this text again. Remember, they had a promise from God. So we're going to look at impatient faith because impatient faith will lead to, to dysfunction in our family unit. Impatient faith will lead to dysfunction in our family unit. Because again, we saw last week how, how uh, Abram lied when he went down to the land of Egypt. He went to Egypt. God had told him to go to the land of Canaan. He was where God told him to go. Then a famine broke out in the land where God told him to go. And God did that and allowed him to go to a place and allowed a famine to come because he had to test Abram. He had to build his faith up. Abram went down to Egypt. We told you Egypt is symbolic of bondage to sin. And so he left the place that God told him to go and then went to a place where he uh, was, was, had to deal with a lot of stuff and end up uh, getting himself in a little bit of trouble. Okay? Now, guys, watch this. When God amen, gives us a promise, he expects us to stand on that promise. To stand on a promise means that 
when I get a revelatory word from God, no matter what it's about, no matter what the issue is, I begin to govern my life based on that promise. I don't move off of that, even when I can't feel it, even when I can't see it, even when I don't know when it's going to happen. I've got to trust that God's word is true and he cannot lie. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So so I, what I do is, is when God gives me a promise, I, I, I regurgitate that promise over and over again. Because I, I need to articulate it with my mouth because death and life is where in the power of the tongue and they that love it, eat the fruit. thereof. So I got to speak to my flesh. I got to speak to my emotion because my emotion may be say, move right now. Don't move right now. It's going to be too late. You're going to miss that sale. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have went and bought something because they had a sale, but but you didn't pray about it? You said it's 40 percent off. That's got to be God. Anybody in the house? Just because it's 40% off doesn't mean that it was in your budget. Hello. So you moved and got ahead of God. Now, all of a sudden, in order to get the thing that you were going out there to get, you had to put it on a credit card that had interest rate of 25%. All right. And then you, you told yourself you were going to pay it off when the bill came due, but then something else happened. And then now, all of a sudden, it rose to the next month at 25% interest. That's a killer, baby. If you're paying 25% interest, try to get out of that. In this low interest rate, this is an ex-banker talking to you. In this low interest rate environment, you should not be paying 25% on a credit card. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to move on from that, okay? So if you're there, get out. Everybody say, get out. Say, get out. All right. So impatient face. Sarah was childless and became impatient. So what are the causes? What are the causes of impatience? Let's look at this right quick. Number one, an unfulfilled desire. An unfulfilled desire can cause us to have impatience. Sarah wanted a child desperately. Some lady wanted to get married desperately. But she couldn't wait. She knew the guy wasn't right. She saw all the signs. She had arguments with her family about some of his characteristics, some of the stuff that didn't look so good. But you couldn't wait because you said my biological clock is ticking. I'm 31 years old. I'm 35 years old. And everybody's asking me when I'm going to get married. He is cute after all. And he is fine after all. I know he doesn't have a job. I know he hadn't worked steadily ever in his life. But but you don't understand. I'm getting old. I'm going to tell you, wait on the Lord. Amen. Now, listen. Here's what I, I will tell you. God gives us choice as to who we marry. Right. He gives us choice as to who we marry. But but you ought to use some discernment because he said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So so why would you settle for somebody who when I ask you, where's his church membership? Well, you know, he's in and out in and out of what? If he's born again, like you told me he was, he should be connected with a local church assembly. But now because you're getting impatient, you're going to run out there and do something. And then I got to come back and unpack you and help make you whole. uh, Not even a year from then. 
because you were impatient. Listen, we don't want to be impatient. We got to learn to wait on God. So an unfulfilled desire is what causes us to become impatient. Sarah wanted a a child desperately. And in that day, a woman's ability to bear children, especially a son, was almost a necessity to remain married. There were guys who would divorce their wives because they couldn't have children. Wasn't right, but that was the climate of that day. Oh, y'all listen to me today. In the eyes of people, children were a sign of God's blessing, whereas being childless was a sign of dishonor and reproach. So Sarah was now, again, Abraham is how old? See if y'all pay attention. How old is he now when we come to the 16th chapter? 85. He's 85 in chapter 16. Sarah is what? 75 in chapter 16. They still got a little ways to go, right? But God is still working on them because he's building their faith. Faith has to be built. Faith just doesn't come automatically. Your faith is built as you learn to trust God through the various situations in life. I I wish I could just give you faith by just laying hands on you and say, faith be in. But faith doesn't work that way. First of all, faith coming by hearing him by the word of God, but it also is cultivated and developed when we go through and we have to step out on God's word and trust him even when we don't see the answer. Sometimes it's difficult to, to, to trust when you, when you can't see. But that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. It is the evidence of things that are what? Not seen. If I can see it, I don't need faith for it. Come on. If I need $3,000 to pay my uh, real estate taxes and I got $10,000 in the bank, what do I need faith for? I, I just go pull out the bank. I can see it. Anytime you can see it, it ain't faith. I said it ain't faith. I know it may not be It is not faith. Can I, can I be radically correct? It is not faith if I can see it. Faith is what the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that I cannot see. So here we have, they have a promise, but they don't see anything working and their biological clock is ticking. Come on now, 85 and 75. Now, you know, if it hadn't happened by the end, you're probably thinking, it ain't going to happen. Right about it? But God gave them a word. He gave them a promise. He gave them a promise. So, 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 so an unfulfilled desire. She wanted to have a child because it was, it was considered to be, uh, you know, a, a shame that a woman couldn't birth children and and, and, and here, uh, particularly when she couldn't birth a son, throughout her life, she had been eager to bear a son for Abram, but her desire had never been fulfilled. Sarah was childless, and now in her old age, she was desperate and becoming more and more impatient. And so, in fact, her patience was running out, and impatience was gaining control of her, her heart. Watch out when you become so impatient that you'll forget the word of God and start doing things the way you think it ought to be done. Or you try to help God alone. Impatience can cause us to try to feel that desire ourselves instead of waiting on God. So first thing we look at here is that uh, an unfulfilled desire can cause impatience. In other words, if you desire to have a new car, but you hadn't saved up enough money for your down payment. Or you hadn't paid the car off that you have. And you go in already upside down on that car. Y'all know what it means to be upside down on the car, right? You owe more on the car than what it's actually worth. And dealerships have a way of doing, I call it funny math. And I'm not, I'm not knocking my brothers who are in the car business. <laughs> First staff say, please don't. Uh, but but, but, but they, they make a way for you to get in that vehicle, right? 
But in making a way for you to get into that vehicle may not necessarily help you, even though when you first get that new car, come on, guy, I mean, it, the new smell, just, it's, it's intoxicating, isn't it? It's, it's nothing like riding a new car until <laughs> those notes start hitting you and you know you didn't properly budget for it. Come on. And it, it's, it's nothing like riding that new car until, until two years later when the newness is worn off and it's still crippling you financially, it doesn't feel so good, does it? Anybody ever been there before? All right. So what we got to realize is that even though I have a desire, an unfulfilled desire for a new car, a new, not new, a, a, a husband, period. I want you to try to trade you in. OK, don't trade your husband in. OK, don't try to trade your wife in. All right. God honors marriage. So and, and he hates divorce. Now, I know divorce happens because of the hearts of the sin in the hearts of men. But but God hates that. And you need to do whatever you can to make it work. Hello. All right. So look at this. Watch this. So impatience, unfulfilled desire will cause you to to, to step out outside of God's will. Uh, uh, The second thing that causes impatience is a mistaken thought. Go back to uh, Genesis 16, verse 2, the A part of that verse. Genesis 16, verse 2, the A part. Why was Sarah barren and unable to bear children? Was it because God had closed her womb? Had he closed it permanently forever? Or Sarah thought so. And she began to question God's promise uh, to, 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 to question if the promise made by Abram included her. She, she felt that she had been left out of the promise given by God as though that promise didn't cover her situation. As though it had no effect on her life. Look at what it says. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. He didn't say prevented. She didn't say prevented you. He has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Now, again, I read you that story at the beginning because here we have a situation where Sarah gets outside of the boundary line. And then God gave a promise. And they were supposed to stand on that promise, but now here she is becoming impatient because of an unfulfilled desire to have children, because of a mistaken, come on, a mistaken thought process, an ideology that was not in line with God's will. She thought God had overlooked her in the promise. And she told her husband, go and sleep with my servant because perhaps I can have children with her. Now again, this was not necessarily an uncommon thing during this culture and time. It never was God's will. But this was, during this particular time in, in this culture, if a man or a woman could not have children, then the, the wife would offer her, her servant or handmaid to her husband to go and sort of be a surrogate mother. Now, again, they didn't have in vitro fertilization like we have today, so he had to go and sleep with her. Is this, is this, is this resonating with everybody now? This was part of the culture. This is what they did during that period of time. And I've told you before and I'll tell you, tell you again. As born-again believers, we should not allow the culture to infiltrate the church, but we as a church should be infiltrating the culture. Are you listening to me today? So many times, we will listen to news, and, and, and baby, let me tell you something, turn the news off sometime. You know, turn off all the cable news and the talking heads and get into your Bible. Some of y'all watch too much TV and you, you surf social media too much. Getting all riled up and getting all flustered and blustered. Get in your Bible. Are y'all with me today? Stay in your word and allow the word of God to transform your thinking. As a matter of fact, Romans 12 says, God 
changes us into a new person by changing the way we think. He, he changes the way we think to get us to be able to walk in line with his word. Amen. So a mistaken thought. No, no, no. What Sarah did. She told Abram that it was the Lord who had kept her from bearing a child. A lot of emotion was wrapped up in Sarah's statement because years of pent up emotion. She was expressing disappointment in God and somewhat blaming God for making her barren. She was expressing remorse, regret, sorrow and a broken heart before Abram, feeling that she had failed him miserably as a wife. So she, she, had, she had tried and she prayed and she prayed and she tried, done all that she could, but to no avail. God had just closed her womb. So she thought what she didn't understand was God. When God gives a promise, the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. If God gives you a directive, he gives you a promise. You may not know when you certainly may not know how he's going to do it, but you can bet your bottom dollar. He will do what his word says. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Bible says, but my word will stand. So God, God honors his word, amen, above everything else. He honors his word. So if I can get myself to a position in God where I can trust his word, no matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what it feels like, if I can just continue to confess the word, over my situation, then I can stand in faith and watch God bring the manifestation. So she had a mistaken thought. She thought that God was just, just shut her womb permanently. It was, you know, uh, the, the promise of God did cover and include Sarah. He didn't leave her out. True. God had closed her womb temporarily, but not because she was not to be a part of his promise. It was because the time had not yet come for the promise to be fulfilled. And so many times we get impatient when it's not fulfilled when we want it to be fulfilled. It was not yet time for God to give the promised seed to Abram Sarah. God's timetable was not Sarah's timetable. Go with me to Psalms 25 and 5. Let's read that right quick. Psalms 25 and 5. A mistaken thought. She thought God had left her out of the promise, and that was not the case. And sometimes we think wrong. How many of y'all had some wrong thinking, some as I think Joyce Meyer puts it away, some stinking thinking. How many of y'all had some stinking thinking before? Your mind was all just messed up. You're just, just talking crazy. Oh, y'all don't want to admit it? Now, if I were to go and, and poll your family members and, and, and check out the dysfunctionality that took place in your family, I promise you, they can tell me some stuff you said. You're like, I don't know what they were thinking about. See, our thinking, amen, has to be captured. The Bible says bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So that means that when stuff comes to my mind, I got to filter it through the word of God to make sure it lines up with God's word, with God's promise. And if it doesn't, I'm going to put word on that thought and kill it. Everybody say kill it. Say this is not grammatically correct, but I want you to just humor me just for a second. Say I killed it. It's not a word. But I just want you to say it from, I want you, I wanted to resonate in your spirit. I'm talking about, say, say I killed it. All right, all right. And the way you do that is by putting the promises of God's word on the thought that doesn't line up. Amen? Look at what the text says here in, in, in Psalms 25 and 5. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I do what? I put my hope in you. Read that one more time. Out loud, no purpose. Come on. Lead me by your truth and do what? Teach me, the psalmist said, for you are the God 
who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. Let's go to the 27th number of Psalm, verse number 14. Just want to let this sink in right there. Let's get it down in our spirit because faith coming by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Look at what the text says. Why? Watch this. Read. Wait patiently for the Lord. Now, come on. Let's have an English lesson right quick. Here's my English lesson. That word patiently has L-Y at the end. Anytime you put L-Y at the end of a word, that, that turns it into an adverb, right? That adverb describes how you do the verb. Come on. She yelled excitedly when the Cowboys last won a Super Bowl. I know it's been a long time, but you yelled excitedly, Cowboy fans. How many years ago? Okay, I don't. All right, all right. Let me keep moving. Bobby Figaro, forgive me, baby. Okay. Wait patiently. The adverb describes how we should wait. Don't just wait on the Lord, but it says wait how? Patiently. Some of y'all wait, but you wait like your little child, just answer. You can't stay still. Just, just move. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? God says, settle yourself. Wait patiently because how you wait will determine how long you wait. I said how you wait in many cases determines how long you wait because how you wait determines your level of faith. How much do you really trust God? How much do you really trust what he said in his word? And can you depend on that with all your heart, mind, and soul? He says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait, in case you miss it, he says again, wait how? Patiently for the Lord. Got to wait patiently. Now, how many of y'all admit, come on, let's, by show of hands, online and in the sacred, how many of y'all have been guilty of not waiting patiently before? I know I have. I, listen, every time, Brother Elijah, I get ahead of God, it doesn't end very well. And I ought to know better. But it seems like sometimes I think, and you do too, that you know a little bit more than God knows because you know you, you've been through this and this is my experience and this and that. But what does God's word say? See, if I stand on the word, God says he's going to watch over his word to perform it, to make sure it comes to pass. He doesn't tell me when, but that's why I got to wait patiently for him. It says what? Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Go with me, if you will, to Proverbs 20 and verse number 22. Let's look at that right quick. Just trying to get, build your faith in this area to learn how to wait. Sarah, uh, we say it, that she had an unfulfilled desire, right? She had a mistaken thought. She thought that God had left her out of the promise, so she decided she's going to fix it and help God out. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Read it out loud with your own purpose. I know you got your mask on, but let's read it out loud. Let, let everybody hear you. Let's read it. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord. Now, how many of you have been guilty of trying to punish somebody who you thought wronged you? How many of you have been guilty of trying to make somebody else feel the same way you felt? Or uh, you, husband and wife do this, and y'all love each other. Think about this for a second. Y'all love each other. Y'all, y'all walk down this aisle, and you said, uh, to death do us part. For sickness and health, for better, for worse, good times and bad times. They didn't say that, on, but you know, I'm, I'm throwing this in, just parenthetically, right? Good times and bad times. I'm going to be there with you. All right? And I'm going to love you unconditionally. But why is it that we try to 
amen, dig at the other person, we felt they wronged us. Hello? You haven't tried to get, have you ever tried to kind of just needle the other person because they, they made you upset and mad? Married couples, have you ever withheld sexual fulfillment because you were mad at the spouse? Is the mic still on? Is the mic still on? Did y'all hear me? Oh, that doesn't happen in Christian marriages? Mm-hmm. Okay. Say, move on, pastor. Say, move on, pastor. No, it says, don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. You get out of the way and let God do it. The, the, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I'll repay. You stop trying to get into, God, into God's business. God knows how to deal with the issue. Amen. Don't, you, you, you just love people and keep moving forward. Can I get a witness? So, so, so Sarah had a mistaken thought. Let's go to the next. Go, go to Isaiah 40 and 31. One more. Because I got to get us to understand because we haven't learned how to wait patiently on God, we tripped ourselves up in a lot of cases. We've gotten ourselves in positions to where we were outside of the will of God. And when you get outside of the will of God, you're asking for trouble because you're outside of his protection. He, you know, the Bible says, you know, Satan even recognized that when, when he went to attack Job, he says, God, listen, I can't get to him because you got a hedge of protection around him. You got a wall of protection. Around him. Remove that wall and I'll make him curse you. Curse the day he was born. Listen, hear me carefully. God has a hedge of protection around us. He loves us. Amen. When we stand on his word. But now when we, when we get outside the boundary of God's word, then now we are fair game for the enemy to attack us. Watch what the text says here. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Who is that? Those who trust in the Lord. He's going to renew their strength. Okay. So third thing, third thing. Uh, First, we said that Sarah had an unfulfilled desire, which led to this impatient faith. And impatient faith would cause dysfunctionality did in this family. Told him to go sleep with a handmaiden. That wasn't God's will, even though it was the custom of that day. Don't you get caught up in custom. Don't be driven by custom. Don't be driven by culture. Don't be driven by ethnicity. You be driven by the word of God. Are y'all with me today? See, we put our trust in too much stuff. I'm a, I don't put my trust in my blackness. All right? My blackness is, is just my ethnicity. I am a believer in Christ before I am Uh, anything else and the word of God will drive my decision the word of God will drive my action because I've tried the man and I've discovered the man is all right I've tried his word and his word has never failed me yet so don't you come tell me what I can't do in Christ Jesus doesn't matter I don't care who doesn't like me, who doesn't want me to do what God has ordained for me to do. See, the word that I have a promise from God, God will bring that promise to pass. Amen? Regardless of who doesn't want it to happen. So, so the third thing, a worldly rejection comes up, and we see in this text. There was a certain, there was, again, there was a custom in Abram's day that, that stated if a man's wife could not bear him a son, he could take her maid as a second wife and have a son through her. Again, that was the custom that was devised by man, not a practice that was instituted by God. 
What am I getting at? Sometimes when we look at scripture, we think that everybody in scripture was perfect. That God had to use everybody who, who trusted him completely and totally every time. We see through Abram's history, just in this brief part we studied right now, he had some growing to do. That's why the, the promised seed hadn't come yet. God is still working on him. We used to sing that song, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. When God gets through with me, I shall come forth to go. I'm here to tell you, he's going to keep working on us as long as we're alive and in these bodies. He's going to keep working on us as long as we're alive and in this body. None of us have room to stop growing, to stop learning the, 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 the principles and the precepts of God's word. We should always be in a, in a posture to, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not be a saint, but who rightly divides the word of truth. So this worldly suggestion, come on, go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter right quick. Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 36. Watch it. So she had an unfulfilled desire. She had a mistaken thought process and she had a worldly suggestion that her husband allowed her to cross that boundary. He knew the promise. The promised seed was going to come through Sarah. But you know what? And, and a lot of times, you know, because Abram, the Bible lets us know, was very rich. And I'm going to throw this in uh, and, and think about this for a second. Just like when Joseph went down. Uh, to Potiphar's house when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, the Bible says Joseph, who was an indentured servant, was a handsome dude, well-built, fine guy. So much so that Potiphar's wife, who, if you were an officer in, in, in the king's army or you were an officer in, in his government, you got the, the, the best of the litter. You, you, you got the pick of the litter as far as the beauty of, of women in that day. So, so she was obviously beautiful and this servant who was in charge of Potiphar's house was a handsome man, very good looking. And Potiphar's wife laid her eyes on him and said, I want to I want to sleep with this dude. Why am I mentioning that? Hagar, because Abram was very rich, he had the ability to pick the best of the best. And no doubt this lady was attractive. Come on now. She was attractive. Okay, we, we're, we're in church. We're not, we're not supposed to say the ladies are attractive. Uh, brothers, have y'all seen some attractive ladies? Y'all real quiet. <laughs> I don't know why, where you're going with that. What I'm saying is you can, you can acknowledge someone's beauty without lusting after that person. Amen? But you got to make sure your mind's right. All right? Hagar was obviously beautiful in it's amazing to me that Abram didn't put up a fight, Katie. He didn't argue, staffing with his wife. He didn't say, oh, well, no, no, this, no, no, this is not God's will. It's not right. You know, we, we should, I know it's the customer this our time, but this is not God's will. No, he, he said, okay. I read the Bible. I ask, I ask questions of the text. I, start, I said, why would this guy not put up a fight? Well, maybe he had a very persuasive wife, like some of you brothers have a very strong will, persuasive wife. Whom, when I, when I read this text, guys, I thought about Adam in the Garden of Eden. That passivity that he portrayed in the Garden of Eden, because Satan was having this conversation with Eve. Just working on her. 
Yea, hath God said Eve? Then got her mind messed up. Then she comes to her husband and messes his mind up. I think that's still happening in 2020. Can I get five witnesses out here? I think that's still happening in 2020. Maybe, maybe dude really don't want to do this, but the persuasive wives bat the eyes. Per- persuasive wives lets you know that I'm going to be angry if you don't make this decision that I won't make. So to keep peace, I wonder how many families have experienced dysfunctionality in the name of keeping peace. And then it blew up in your face because you knew what God told you. But the passivity that was exhibited caused you not to stand on the word of God and be the man that God called to be. Listen, what I'm telling you is is when you look at Adam, we see some of the same symptoms that's happening here with old boy Abram. Now, she was beautiful. Hagar was beautiful, but he didn't put up a fight. Men, husbands, fathers, we don't need passivity. We need strong men. That that don't mean that everything you say goes because it's obvious God gave us helpers who are suitable for us to help us to make choices and decisions. But what in this instance, she went with what the culture said rather than the word of God. So are you going to go with culture? You'll go with what the popular political move of the day is? Or are you going to stay with the word? I don't know about you, but I'm staying with the word. I'm going to do what God's word says. Because I found him to be faithful, guys. I found him to be trustworthy. Glory to God. So watch, watch, get, 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 get with me. Uh, what did I tell you how to go? Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Watch what the text says. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great war that brings you. Watch this. 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Let's, let's, let's look at that from the King James Version. I like the way it, it resonates in the KJV. We're going to look at it. Now listen to this real carefully, guys. Because when we are believing God for something, when we have a promise, here's our mindset. We've already discovered we've got to wait how? Patiently. Not wait aggressively, not wait in an aggravated fashion, but wait patiently. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense or repayment of reward. Don't cast away your confidence. Look what he says in the next verse. Watch this. For you have need of what? Come on, we got to read it out loud on purpose. For you have need of what? Patience that, what? After, not before, After that you have what? Done the will of God, you might receive the promise. See, most of us want to receive the promise. Then we say, God, if you do this, I'll do this. God, if you bless me with a million dollars, I'll start to tithe. No, you won't. Because you wouldn't tie it off a thousand dollars. How are you going to tie it off a million dollars? Are you fooling? You're fooling yourself. He says, for you have need of patience. No, when I do the will of God, when I begin to pray for that, 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 that spouse that's went off the rails or that child that's, that's disruptive and wavered, when I, after I, when I pray for them, when I do my part, I have need of patience. After I've done what the counselor told me to do, rather than wasting the counselor's time going in there, hearing what's being said, but leave out there and have no intention of doing what the counselor has directed you to do. 
you have need of patience after you've done the will of God that you might receive the promise. Right? So, so three things. Watch, watch it again. The cause of the impatience, an unfulfilled desire, a mistaken thought, and a worldly suggestion that came from the culture. So what are the consequences of this impatience? Bad things begin to happen almost immediately when we give in to the feeling that we just can't wait any longer. When we cast away our patience and we allow impatience to break loose and have its, its way. This is, this is true of Sarah and Abraham and it's true of us. Impatience, guys. Breaking loose and acting before we should results in some bad consequences most often. So we get a wrong plan and method that takes place. Now remember that Sarah's motive, I think her motive was good because she knew the promise and she wanted to bring the child into, nothing wrong with wanting to have a child and to fulfill God's promise. So I, I don't even necessarily question her motive. Her motive was good, but she wanted to see the promise of God fulfilled, but her method was worldly. Her method was carnal. Her method was fleshly. A method diametrically was diametrically close to the word of God. Let me, let, let, let me, let me just give you a, a very crude illustration, but it's going to drive home the point. See, let's say, for instance, you have a heart to, to fund missions or to fund ministry in a particular area. You want to you sponsor the radio broadcast from now until the rapture takes place. Or you want to do whatever you, you have a motive and desire to do that. But you say, but you, you decide, okay, I'm going to go out and sell drugs so I can get some money to fund the radio ministry. Now, your motive for fun or radio mission may be correct. I told you it was a crude example, didn't I? All right, just don't look at me like that. I want to drive home the point. All right, the motive was right to fund missions in the radio ministry, but the method was wrong. You don't go sell drugs, hello, to get the money to fund the radio ministry. Does that make sense? All right, so, so Sarah here, your motive could be right. She wanted to feel, see the promise fulfilled. She wanted to have a child. But the method that she used was worldly. It was wrong. It was fleshly. It was carnal. And some churches get into some fleshy, worldly stuff in their efforts to fund ministry. Now, I'm going to say this, and I hope nobody gets offended. But here's, y'all have heard me say this before. I don't have a problem with someone selling plates to raise funds for the youth to go to Six Flags or wherever. But I do have a serious problem when a ministry sells plates to raise money instead of bringing the tithes and the offering into the storehouse like God told us to. There's the problem. When you negate God's way and do it your own way. How many of y'all grew up paying church dues? Anybody in the house grew up paying church dues? And, and this is not a knock on, uh, people did what they knew at that time. And I, I remember, this is something I remember as a, as a child growing up. I remember we the offering took a long time in the church. Offering, uh, Dick Charles, you probably remember this. We, we we had group captains, group captain number one, number two, number three, and those group captains had the names of members in their group, and that group captain was responsible for collecting the church dues for that week, and they would literally stand up in the service during offering. Group Captain One report. Okay. He begins to read down. Sister Matthew Hardin, $15. Brother Paul Adams, $30. Brother Roger Neal, $2. Uh, sorry about that, Roger. I know you get more. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, man. They would, they would read the names of people and how much they gave in their church dues. Now, again, we, we long past that, and, and their hearts were in the right place, but that wasn't the right motive. Right? And so 
so so so as a church, we want to make sure that we're doing things according to God's will. Amen. And so if if I'm selling place in lieu of bringing tithes and offering and sacrificial giving, then I'm out of God's will. Listen, I've been pastoring here now for 31 years. You listen to this. 31 years. And since when we started teaching about tithing and giving of offering and giving in faith and learn how to give sacrificially, not one year has our annual budget went down. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, not one year has it went down, even during times of recession, even during times of global pandemic. God is faithful. Now, I know that's not everybody else's story, but I'm just telling you that's our story. And I believe it's because God, we've made it a conscious decision that we're going to trust God for God I live, for God I die. And if, 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 if we fail doing it God's way, we have to fail doing it God's way. But I found him to be faithful. I found him to be trustworthy. I found him to be a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I found him to be a God I can trust. With all my heart, mind, and soul. Impatience. Impatience. So she had a wrong plan, the wrong method. And, and, and the collapse of that faith and patience took place as a result. So, so wrong plan. So when you have impatience, you get a wrong plan, the wrong method. And then faith and patience goes away. <laughs> Abraham had been walking with the Lord for a long time, for over 10 years. Just a short while before this event, God had given Abraham a glorious vision of himself and his promises. God had reassured Abraham that he was to... To, to bear the promised seed and inherit the promised land in chapter 15. God has just talked to him in chapter 15, and now we get to 16, and things begin to fall apart a little bit. So, so when, when, you, when you're impatient, you, you, you'll, you'll come up with a wrong plan, the wrong method. Your, your, your faith will dissipate. Your patience will go away. Amen. Uh, sinful behavior takes place. The next thing that happens when we become impatient, we do some sinful stuff. And that's what happened here. This was sin. This was outside of God's will. Are y'all with me? Those three things happen uh, uh, when um, when we become impatient. Immorality, adultery, polygamy. Abram took Hagar as his second wife and she conceived a child. But it was never, God, God, God has never ordained polygamy. Even though, come on, we're talking about dysfunctional families, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a lot of dysfunction. And within that family, you had men who had multiple wives. But it was never God's will. And I know sometimes it don't make sense. How can God use imperfect people to get his perfect will done? He does it all the time. He used you, didn't he? He used me, didn't he? Amen. None of us have it all together. And it's amazing how God can take an imperfect being, an imperfect vessel in all of our messed up self, dysfunctional self, and use us to bring men to Christ. I thank God that he doesn't throw us away because of a bad choice and a bad decision. Abraham and Sarah made a bad choice and a bad decision. Amen. So as a result of that, you had these things going on. Uh, immorality, adultery, polygamy. Then you had spite and malice and scorn. Now, once once Hagar got pregnant, guess what she did? You know, she started taunting, really, acting with contempt around Sarah. I'm pregnant, you're not. She may not say those words, but let's go back to the text and let's watch it. Because this, this scorn, Holy Spirit, malice began to take place, and, and it made Sarah mad, even though it was her, her suggestion. 
Go back with me to 16 chapter right quick and look at verses 4 through 6 and we got to get out of here. And we're going to pick up on next week and we'll talk about the solution to impatience. We're going to roll into that 17 chapter because I want you to see that God's family, the, the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the family unit which the Savior was birthed through, but they were not perfect. They were dysfunctional. And if you're honest about it, all of our families have dysfunctionality that we got to learn how to deal with and deal with it properly. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, watch this, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. She began to rag on her. She began to just flaunt it in front of her face. I can imagine she walked out with a stomach like this. Look at that, look at that, look at that. Look at that, Sarah, look at that, look at that. You can't get pregnant, I can I'm, that's my spiritual imagination. The Bible doesn't say she did that. But the Bible does say she began to treat Sarah with what? Contempt. Next verse. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you and me. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. Abram replied, look. She's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. See, two wrongs don't make a right. And see, sometimes in our life, we'll, we'll try to get back at someone else because of the wrong that they've done toward us. We've got to always stand in faith and do the word of God. So you get jealousy, and not only do you get immorality, adultery, and polygamy, you, we see spite and malice and scorn. We see jealousy and blaming others. Sarah tried to, she blamed her husband, right? Um, she felt, uh, you know, probably she felt that uh, uh, Abram was favoring Hagar for, because, um, you know, he, 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 he allowed and he saw this stuff going on, so she got upset about it. And we get disturbed in several relationships when we uh, become impatient, Okay. And we'll look at the solution to impatience on next week, and I'll pick up on chapter number 17, because my time is up. But here's what I want you to know. God can still use you. He can still use you. But when when we recognize our dysfunction, he expects us to begin to put the word of God on that dysfunctionality and not just say that's just the way I am. If you got a bad temper, deal with that because the, 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 the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Be ye angry and sin not. Don't, the sun go down, don't just go around being a mean person that nobody wants to be around you. How are you going to witness and mention somebody if everybody's scared to be around you or don't like being around you at all because of your, your anger? And your, and your, whatever, whatever your dysfunctionality is, be honest with God so he can help you. If you hide it, he can't heal it. Jesus gave his life out on Calvary so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. Even though we're dealing with a lot of dysfunction in our families, in our own individual life, I'm here to tell you God is the one who can heal it. He can heal it if you reveal it. If you'll be honest and say, Lord, here I am, open, naked, unashamed. You know how I think, you know how I feel, you know some of the things I've said. God, I need you to deal with me because I'm recognizing my family who loves me and told me some of this stuff, but I've, I've been defensive rather than, 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 than receiving, amen, loving correction. So help me. Help me get to where I need to be.
every head bowed, everybody closed. Father, we thank you.